where these diets have to fit in is more so they have to fit in with what we enjoy. What, what do you like? If you don't like meat, there's no reason to be on a carnivore diet. Like what, that, what a huge stretch that would be. Or if you don't really love vegetables, you probably don't necessarily need to be on a uh, vegan style diet. So you want to try to find what are some things that I actually like? What's actually reasonable for me to do? Am I going to eat egg whites and broccoli three times a day? Because you could get in great shape off of that. You could get super shredded, uh, but you're also going to be miserable. And also like two weeks later, you're not going to be eating enough fat to the point where you're starting to cause harm to yourself. And it's going to be a real futile attempt. So one of the key components to a diet is just a simple fact on whether you like some of the food that's in the diet. <laughs> that's kind of like number one. Hello, my friends. And welcome to another episode of the Essential Strength Podcast. This podcast is an exploration of strength in its many forms, from physical to mental, intellectual to spiritual. I am your host, David Skolnick, and it is my job to bring in people from the health and fitness industries, as well as law enforcement, research scientists, musicians, entrepreneurs, and more, and discover how strength impacts their lives their work, and their outlook on the world. It is my belief that strength is a truly essential trait, and this show is out to prove it. So if you want to learn how to get strong, you're in the right place. Our guest this week is Mark Bell. Mark is the founder and owner of Mark Bell's Slingshot and Super Training Gym, and he is the host of Mark Bell's Power Project podcast. Mark is known for his career in powerlifting, which included squatting over a thousand pounds. He is an inventor, a public speaker, and all in all, one of the most consistent, motivating, and inspiring personalities within the world of strength sports. Mark is back for his second appearance on the Essential Strength Podcast, and today we are talking all about diets. For anyone who follows Mark on social media, you know that he is always pursuing some sort of dietary goal and experimenting with different diet principles and approaches to goal-oriented nutrition. In today's conversation, Mark pulls back the curtain on all the things he's learned from the last 18 months of dieting in one form or another and provides some incredible take-home messages for anyone committed to living a stronger, healthier life. So buckle up. This episode is one for the ages. This is episode 65 of the Essential Strength Podcast with Mark Bell. All right, Malik, Mark, uh, welcome back. You are officially the second return guest. Last time we talked was August 5th, 2020. And uh, not only has the world changed, but I know my world has changed. I think your world has probably changed a little bit in the last 15 months. So happy to have you back. Man, it is weird to think uh, of pre any of the things that have happened. But uh, yeah, I uh, I feel great. Things are going really well for me, my family, and uh, everybody here at Slingshot and Super Training Gym. I went back and I was listening to just like the first 10, 15 minutes of our conversation. And I was still living in Northern California. You know, we were, what is August, five months into a pandemic that was supposed to last six weeks 
California had just gone back into a more aggressive shutdown. Um, I have since moved to Arizona where, you know, I think COVID is just, it doesn't exist on the same level as California, perhaps. <laughs> I've been happy to to be out here, you know, as, as much as I, I cannot make an argument that Phoenix is as pretty as like Sonoma County, you know, mm. like Bodega Bay and Napa and like just that the road in between Santa Rosa and Sacramento where you are was one of my favorite drives to make. Um, but I'm happy that, you know, my neighborhood is not on fire and that gyms have been open for this whole time. Do you have a good gym to go to? Yeah, I train at this uh, powerlifting gym. It's called American Raw. And we've got some really great folks out here. It's been very motivating. Um, last time we talked, I had not gotten back into a full power meet. I did um, I did the slingshot meet in the Bay Area in 2019. And that was my first time back on the platform at all. I did push-pull after re-herniating a, a, a disc in my back in 2018. Took me like almost two years to get back to squatting at the level I was when I hurt my back. And uh, now as we speak, um, I am 10 days out from USPA drug tested worlds and back to competing, you know, all three lifts. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. American rock. Go ahead. To get set up with uh, our boy, Andrew. Andrew's had uh, tons of back issues over the years. So, uh, maybe, uh, through some email correspondence, maybe you can, uh, help them out with a program. Cause I know that you, I, it, I sometimes forget like, uh, your knowledge and background and, and all the folks that you're, uh, always helping with their various injuries and, and things they have going on in their lives. So definitely an area of passion. Yeah. Uh, a, a back injury, even as something as, as serious as a herniated disc, it's definitely not a life sentence. Um, so one of the other reasons I was listening back to our conversation was I've started asking everyone on the show what their personal definition of strength was. And I had asked you sort of a variant of that question. Um, and for you at that point, you'd mentioned that strength had a lot to do with, I'm going to read my notes here, managing stress, being resilient. Um, you felt that it took some attention and intention to know how strong you really were and whether or not the training, whether it was physical or mental was having the desired impact. Um, and just overall, as your saying goes, right. Strength is never a weakness that the stronger you are going into a challenge, the more successful you are likely to be. Does that all still ring true? Is there anything you'd like to add to that? God damn, that sounded really intelligent. I must've been, uh, must've been on fire that particular day. Uh, yeah, you know, I still believe that, you know, as much as people want to talk about what people do in the gym, um, there's a lot of things that people can do outside the, uh, outside the gym that also are examples of what we consider to be strong, you know, and there's like, you know, from a kinesiology and you know uh, from a standpoint of uh, like mathematics and stuff like that you can get into definitions for power and for work and you can start to see uh you know what somebody's uh, force output is and their strength curve and you know you can get into all these crazy crazy things but uh you know really i think that we make we have a fallacy when it comes to strength and we think that lifting a certain amount of weight uh, 
it means that somebody got stronger. And it doesn't necessarily really truly mean that you got stronger. It does mean that you got stronger in that particular challenge or that particular exercise. Uh, but, you know, getting, getting stronger would mean so many more things. If you got stronger, like relative to your body weight, well, then you're start going to start to see, uh, you know, more carryover outside the weight room. And if you got yourself so strong that you can't tie your shoes anymore, maybe you are actually fairly weak in some other positions. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean you can't go towards that. I mean, I lifted that way for many years and I loved and enjoyed that, but I was in a very particular sport that required me to do a very particular thing. But I, I do think it's kind of a fallacy to say like, you know, if, for example, if your back hurts, we need to get you stronger. And then the only marker for strength is like a deadlift and it's like well a deadlift is is one thing for strength but what about can we get you to do planks can you do a side plank can you um can you walk can you go for a good walk without pain because if you're deadlifting and you go from 135 to 315 and your back still hurts i don't really know how well you should really strengthen the area to help mitigate the actual issue so that's the only thing is, and, and I love strength and I love just saying, yeah, man, you got to go in there and work hard. And, uh, over time you want to accumulate more strength, but, uh, I think we're a little too fixed on the gym and there's so many more, I mean, take your average, uh, gym goer that's fairly strong and see if they can go and rock climb, uh, see if they can go do a hike, see if they can, uh, you know, do just, uh, I don't know, uh, a water ski or ski you know ski in the winter time down you know downhill or snowboard or any of these things and a lot of times they can't and again i'm not saying that one thing's better than the other but maybe it would be nice to be able to have the option to just do many things and to display your strength in many different areas yeah strength is definitely multifaceted it's sort of you know the backbone of this whole podcast is exploring strength in its many forms and even if you get as narrow as like, who is the strongest person in the gym or who is the strongest person in the world, even that you can't really nail down because you could say, well, it's the person who won world's strongest man. Uh, it's like, but is it, or is it like the Olympic champion in weightlifting? Is it, you Gymnastic. know, the girl with the highest Wilkes score of all time in powerlifting? Is it? you know, the arm wrestling champion of the world who could beat the world's strongest man um, in an arm wrestling. So it's, a, it's so context dependent. And then just that word strength, you know, uh, as you were talking about that, like skiing and riding a bike and all that other stuff. I mean, how do we describe someone who's a good swimmer? It's like, oh, I'm a strong swimmer, but you put, you know, you put the Olympic champion in the butterfly under a squat bar and that might not go that well. And you put, you put me in a pool, that's definitely not going to go that well. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a well, lot. And, and, and to kind of delve into that more. So if you have been doing any type of training, let's just say you've been strength training, let's say that you've been training in the gym with weights and you started when you're 15 and you used to weigh 140 pounds and now you're 200 pounds. And you built up a, a bigger and a stronger body. You can bench press more. You can deadlift more. Uh, you have better just cardiovascular. You have better fitness. You have better this, better that. But 
you can't scrape two pennies together. You haven't figured out your career. You haven't figured out your relationships. You are not very, you know, just flat out. You're just not very strong when it comes outside the gym. And so what I would love to see more people do is not necessarily be able to carry these strengths around and be multifaceted in like a hundred different sports. While that might be wonderful for some, it might not be the favorite thing for everybody. What I would like to see people do is understand the strength that they built, the resilience that they built in the gym. That really, that really is something that would be highly recommended to carry off into the rest of, in, into your regular life the schedule that you had to adhere to, the amount of time it took you to gain that amount of weight, the cascade of discipline surrounding all of that, and how over a period of time you had to have these habits consistently for a X amount of years until those habits got so ingrained that they became part of your character. And so sometimes I'm like, Man, I love these people. I love these men and women that lift these crazy weights, these girls that are deadlifting 550 pounds for doubles and triples. And I love seeing these men rip up 800 pounds. But then sometimes I'm like, man, I would love to see them. I, I want to see when the flip switches for them and they turn that power and turn that strength on in their day-to-day -day life. 100%. 100%. I, I get that with the coaching side too, right now, working with a couple of coaches sort of for the first time and not just programming for myself. And it's that like commitment to, you know, if it's on the program, I'm going to get it done. Like imagine if you took that to your, right, your business or your relationship, or as you and I talked about over a year ago, like what does strength mean as a parent? It's like, I'm just not going to say no to spending time with my kids because it's on the fucking program. <laughs> And I know that I can stick to a program. Yeah, there. it should really, I like that. It carries over to your character, like builds your character outside the gym. If you can just apply those same principles of you're so disciplined with your training and you're so sloppy everywhere else, <laughs> are you really strong? Yeah. And I just, you know, um, I'm sure a lot of men listen to your show and just like what it, what it's like to be a strong man. And to be able just to kind of hold your shit together, you know, um, we just need more, we need more great examples, men and women, both we do is we need more, we need more great examples in our life and, uh, not to get like too far off track, but I think like one of the major problems, I can't speak for other countries since I've never, I haven't really lived in them. Uh, but here in the United States, it just seems to be a massive void. Uh, when I, when I see uh, issues with families, a lot of times it seems to come down to just not having a, not having a great uh, father figure, you know, and some people are smart enough when they don't have that father figure around to try to figure out who's going to mentor my child. Uh, not that, not that you can't have a single mom uh, do an amazing job because a lot of times they do. But more than likely, somewhere along the lines, the kid's probably going to need uh, some sort of male role model in there somewhere. And so I, I kind of think of strength as being really multifaceted. I think my dad's like one of the strongest people I've ever met. And he's, you know, 5'2 and never really lifted, you know. He, so he's not strong in that sense. But I remember being a kid and I remember being a teenager and, you know, checking out girls. And I remember like 
watching him like a hawk and i'm like he has to look at this woman when she when she walks by it's impossible there's no way her boobs are out she's in a short dress or whatever and he never did you know he would he never did it and we even talked about it uh as i got older and uh he said like you know i married your mother and that's who i'm in love with he's like there's no reason for me to look at anybody else he's like these eyes are for her and i was like whoa <laughs> and i said hey that's strong and that's really cool but i don't think i'll ever be able to do that <laughs> <laughs> to each their own right yeah i'll, I'll just right. bench press and look around <laughs> <laughs> that's right. so strength is multifaceted there is no one definition of what it means to be strong um and so that's a, i think a perfect segue into what i want to talk what I want to spend most of today talking about, and that's diet. There is no one perfect diet. And also, you know, we've talked about how a lot has changed in both of our lives and just world in general, since the last time we spoke, your diet has also changed many times since the last time we spoke, I wrote down just a short list of, of the diets I know that you have done over the last year or so, and including the carnivore diet, which has been sort of an on and off staple, I think, for the last few years for you. Um, the one meal a day or OMAD diet. I think you spent a week just eating hard boiled eggs and drinking white wine with your wife based on maybe like a Vogue article from the 70s, if I got that right. Um, currently, vertical diet, Stan Efferding's diet. Am I missing anything important? Was there a fifth sort of no, you know, I, diet? I, I've I've done kind of like a, a Swiss army knife's worth of a uh, different style of nutrition over the years. Um, and uh, currently I, I treat my diets like a Swiss army knife. Like I use uh, whatever I need from the knife uh, where appropriate and kind of treat it as like a tool. So, you know, you kind of have heard the expression, you know, the only, tool sometimes someone has is a hammer and so they just use that for everything <laughs> um and shit man that can work you know we're like just just banging away can sometimes work but what i've learned is like to try to be not necessarily like optimal not necessarily perfect but to try to be reasonable in some fashion and i would recognize that most people even if they saw anything that i was doing they would probably think it's not really very reasonable, but it's reasonable for me uh, getting myself to kind of a certain uh, getting used to these diets and getting used to some of these practices. Uh, none of it feels like it's really uh, super difficult. So I've utilized a lot of intermittent fasting. Um, intermittent fasting is just when you uh, shorten the overall amount of time that you eat for. So uh, for me, sometimes I might eat in like a four hour window, I even migrated into doing one meal a day and my one meal a day was cheated a little bit. I, I would leave about 60 to 90 minutes in there because what I found was it was hard for me to get all the food in. And then it just kind of became like this race against the clock type of weird thing. And so I was like, you know what? I kind of need almost like a back to back meal, you know? And I, so it was, it was a little bit, it was, it was a little bit, uh, cheated cause I needed to like, you know, follow up my dinner with like a protein shake type of thing. So, uh, I did that as well. Uh, one meal a day I did, um, 
I did a fasting mimicking diet where I die, I fasted for five days and then the last two days, uh, ate kind of systematically to get myself back acclimated to food. Cause you can kind of throw your stomach off a bit, uh, when you get out of that. Um, I've done ketogenic diets over the years where you are ramping up the amount of fat that you eat and you are significantly lowering your carbohydrates down to pretty much zero, maybe some from some vegetables. Um, and that diet has been really effective and has been kind of a staple, uh, as well as mixing in intermittent fasting, as well as, uh, mixing in, uh, kind of a carnivore style diet. Um, before we kind of go on further, I just would like to explain like, so I've done a bodybuilding style diet before. And I think that when somebody is after aesthetics and performance and they don't have any, uh, aversions to, uh, for, for me, that style of diet is a little difficult because when I have carbohydrates in the diet, I tend to just eat a lot more. So it makes it very difficult for me to get my calories in check to the point where uh, I'm getting leaner. However, if it's like written out and scheduled and stuff like that, I can, I can follow that. But in my opinion, there's no better diet to get lean and to get jacked and to hold muscle mass and to... Uh, and even in terms of performance than a bodybuilding style diet. I mean, the carbohydrates are there to help propel the workouts, to help keep the muscles full with glycogen and carbohydrates and just even just the muscles being more hydrated and full. The protein is there to make sure that you're not uh, losing any muscle mass and maybe even gaining muscle mass. And then the thing is with the fat is you just need enough fat to not mess up your hormones and your metabolism. So, you know, you'd probably just in general, somebody wouldn't want to go under like 50, but the carbs are usually like, um, at least your body weight in grams of carbs, if not like 1.5. And in some cases, two times body weight, depending on the person, it might even be a little higher than that. Protein is about one gram per pound of body weight, it might even go up to like 1.5. And then with uh, fats, your fats are basically like, I don't know, maybe uh, a quarter of your body weight, somewhere in that range. Like that might be a little low for some folks, but so bodybuilding diet, I think is like one of the, one of the, is a, is a killer style of diet. But I also think that it helps if you are already in pretty good shape to do a bodybuilding diet, a ketogenic diet or slash low carb because most low carb diets aren't really keto they're just low carb <laughs> um a lower carbohydrate diet seems to be really effective for a lot of people and especially i noticed in particular seems to be really effective for men that have a hard time with like snacking and just kind of eating some uh, processed foods and just kind of overdoing the whole carbohydrate game you know for some men uh they can eliminate beer they can eliminate some soda and they just start eating like meat and cheese and eggs and uh, bacon and stuff like that and you know within two weeks they lose like 14 pounds and they're super pumped now some of that weight is water weight it, you're probably not gonna you know uh you're not gonna like all of a sudden look shredded out of nowhere but it it can be a great way to dump some weight 
fairly quickly. And then to keep that inflammation, keep that extra weight off, um, then you just have to be able to figure out a way to follow a lower carb lifestyle for a while, which it really, it's not, some people say it's not sustainable. I found that a lower carb diet has been very sustainable for me. I've, I've done it, you know, on and off for years. Um, the way that I'm, the way that I'm currently eating is, um, it's a meat based diet. I do eat a lot of fruit. I eat some vegetables. Um, I eat three times a day or so, uh, maybe even four kind of depending on the day might have a protein shake or two. Those aren't even really necessarily counted as meals. I just, that's kind of just the way I do it. Um, I don't count anything. I don't track anything. Um, I, I am aware of the, of the calorie, uh, calories in calories out scenario. And I am a believer. I do under, I do understand the value of it, but it's also fairly nuanced. And, uh, most experts would agree that even though, even though a calorie is a calorie, it starts to actually get complicated once it gets digested by the human body. For example, we don't really use protein as energy very well, human beings. We utilize carbohydrates great as energy, and we also utilize fat as energy fairly well. Uh, and fat, it should be noted that, and not to scare anybody, but fat is the easiest thing to become fat on your body when you have extra calories. The only way to actually get yourself fat, everyone should know if they don't know this already, is the overconsumption of calories and not enough movement done over time, you will start to gain some body fat. It's the way the body works. You have an energy surplus coming in, and at some point, your body's like, hey, let's store some of this away for, uh, for some other time. So the last strategy I just wanted to mention um, is protein leveraging. And this has been huge. It's so simple. And I think that out of all the different things I'm going to mention today, people might be like, yeah, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't know. this isn't for me. These diets sound complicated. I don't know what this guy's talking about, but protein leveraging is very simple. When you consume more protein, then you will start to drive down some of your hunger sensations. And in many cases you will eat less. Now, if you were just to have a protein shake, especially like a whey protein shake or something like that, that might not really do the trick because it might not feel uh, super filling, but I'm talking about eating steak, eating some chicken breast, eating some eggs, things like that. Those are really going to make a big difference. And those things are going to help you stay full for a longer period of time. The other thing I noticed about protein is I think that it may have, uh, it's the calories that are allotted to protein, which is four calories per gram. I believe it's incorrect, and I do think at some point it's going to be changed. Uh, it's my understanding that it takes about half the calories just to even uh, break down the protein in the first place. So that kind of puts it at around two calories uh, uh, per gram. But anyway, it's I guess it's debatable, and it's uh, it doesn't mean that you can't count your calories and still have it work out really well for you. But the main take home from this is that if if we were just to like do a, uh, I know mandates are pretty popular nowadays. If we were to do a, uh, a mandate nationwide and we mandated that everyone, uh, increase their protein by 5% and 
the amount of protein that they ate by 5%, every single person would lose weight. And I know some people, you know, might kind of squawk at that and say that's impossible because calories in, calories out. Well, what would happen is you most likely are going to drop because we're talking percentages. I also just took 5%. I took uh, 2.5% from your fat calories and 2.5% from your carbohydrate calories or 5% from one of those and dumped it into your protein. And I just mentioned how protein's not uh, an efficient uh, use of energy. And so the extra protein will not get stored as, uh, as extra energy since it's a shitty form of energy. So the simple take home from that is just to work on eating more protein. Um, I, I think that there's really no reason for larger individuals to go over, uh, like 200 or 250 grams. You know, even if you're three, four, 500 pounds, I don't think there's any reason to, to eat a gram per pound of body weight. But for most other folks, um, you know, getting into that range, getting close to about one gram, per pound of body weight can be really important, especially if the carbohydrates are lower. Um, if your carbohydrates are higher, you can actually bring your protein down a bit and still end up with uh, good nitrogen retention to be able to kind of hold on to the muscle mass. So I know it was really long-winded, but I just felt like it was important to kind of lay out a lot of those concepts. Well, there's a lot. I mean, we've got Mark Bell 2024, like I will get you protein. Uh, there's your political slogan. That's right. <laughs> we mandated. Um, mm -hmm. I think the idea of the protein leveraging and what you mentioned about a protein shake or a protein bar, not only just sort of not being super filling, but also if you look at the nutrition labels on most of those, it's about equal 50-50 in terms of the grams of protein versus the grams of carbohydrates, which speaks to how little protein most Americans probably eat when our high protein item that we find in the, you know, the, the one half of an aisle in the grocery store that's marked healthy, um, is still half carbs. And it's the only reason you're eating it is because it's, you know, snickerdoodle donut flavored. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, I could get behind that. You know, that doesn't sound too terrible. That lemon bar that supposedly has protein in it. Um, but yeah, there's, I know you just posted something the other day on Instagram where you share so much about what you eat and why you eat it. And I was like, if nothing else, start and end your day with protein. Simple. And I think I'm assuming that has kind of been one of your big staples, regardless of what other diet you're doing. I mean, keto, there's an element where X percentage of your calories are sort of supposed to be from fat to achieve true ketosis via blood test or um, whatever. But even then, like the protein is still relatively high. If I'm not mistaken, would you kind of, would you kind of support that? That if anything, protein sort of holds, you know, first place on your hierarchy of macronutrients. Uh, it does for me, for sure. Um, in terms of a ketogenic diet, um, I've done ketogenic diets where I did bring the protein down quite a bit and followed like a, uh, like a, a ketogenic diet that they might, um, that they might give somebody that's having like seizures and, and things like that. Cause it can be, uh, beneficial, uh, for those people. So I wanted to get like the real, I wanted to do like a real keto diet and I messed around with like 
testing, you know, my urine, peeing on those strips and like pricking my finger and uh, checking out the millimolars or whatever they're called for my uh, ketones. And I got way into all that and uh, was, you know, drinking oil and butter and like weird shit like that. But uh, I found that like it, it, it just, it wasn't any more effective. You know, there, there's been things that I examine in strength training and things that I examine in my day to day. And I'm like, is that really any more effective than, you know, other ways that I've tried things? And so when I brought the pro, when I brought the protein down and had the fat high, um, it just never really, the, the one of the hard, hardest things with that was it just kind of felt gross because the percentage of fat is, is high. So I know some people might be salivating and think this is great, but like almost everything you eat is kind of like sausage and bacon E, you know? And it's like, that's just a lot of, it's a lot of fat and it doesn't feel good to eat something like that anytime before workout, like two, even two hours before it's like, those things take a long time to digest and break down because, uh, fat uh, slows down gastric emptying and it, it takes, it takes a long time to really, uh, get it kind of moving along. So, uh, I, I do think that protein is king. And, uh, I, I know some people have concerns over like kidneys. A lot of those things have been, uh, considered to be fallacies at this point. That doesn't seem to be great evidence, uh, except in the case of people that may already have uh, you know, some sort of kidney issue. So if you are one of those people, then just, you know, check with your doctor before you make any decisions. But I would say, you know, there's a couple things here. Find lean sources of protein that you enjoy and just try to like, just figure out a way to get it in every day. You know, maybe there's some, you know, there's, there's like hard boiled eggs, there's uh, egg whites, there's regular eggs you know you can mix whole eggs and egg whites together uh, you don't have to go the egg white route but the only reason why i'm mentioning that is like for most people getting in their amount of fat for the day isn't a problem for most people getting in their amount of carbs for the day is definitely not a problem the fat calories they add up really fast you'd actually be really shocked at how quickly especially if you eat out those of you that are listening to this show that get like doordash and all this stuff there's oil on pretty much every single thing you're ordering. So cancel, you know, get DoorDash off your phone. <laughs> Start to make some, uh, you know, real changes. Learn to cook for yourself is probably the most valuable thing. We could talk about diets all day long, but if you're trying to scrape stuff together at Chipotle, that can work here and there. And if you did that once every other day or something like, it's like, that sounds great, man. That's kind of like a little, little bit of a, little bit of a treat. Um, it's a little, little off plan, but still definitely like reasonable. So I'm always trying to look at like, yeah, like what's going to make some of these things better and what's like reasonable. So when I share these messages, I recognize a lot of people don't even really like protein but it's like do you like cottage cheese do you like yogurt do you like regular cheese do you like eggs do you like bacon have i touched upon anything that you like yet steak chicken fish there's just a lot of there's there's a lot more options than maybe uh people are thinking um and if you learn to cook you can actually make stuff for yourself that's re that just tastes really good i think a lot of people forget about their oven 
And an oven is so easy. And nowadays there's like air fryers and there's like the Ninja Foodie grill. And like, there's all these different things. And it's like, you can cut a steak right out of a package that's frozen and put it in an air fryer. And it comes out like, I'm telling you right now, it will taste better than steak that you get at a pretty good restaurant. Maybe not at the nicest restaurant you've ever been to, but it will taste pretty damn good with just some salt on it. And you'll be like, what the hell? Where has this been all my life? Or, you know, try the same thing with chicken and just throw some uh, G. Hughes sauce on there, the, you know, low, the low sugar uh, sauces and, and play around with some things like that. So there are very simple ways to bring protein into your nutrition. Lastly, I'll say that you want to eat meals at meals. You, you would like to, I would like for people to work towards eliminating snacks. I don't mean eliminating snacks forever, but use your snacks sparingly and pay attention and be mindful of your snacks if you are eating them. If you can ditch them all together, even better. But I think meals at meals is the most important thing. And I think that in order for something to be considered a meal, it should have at least 20 or 30 grams of protein in it. So a couple of things, crock pot. That's been, that was my, uh, cooking, um, tool of choice this week, you know, six chicken breasts, some sugar-free barbecue sauce, turn the dial, walk away seven hours later, shredded chicken. Amazing. So little work. Like you said, I opened the package. I put the chicken in the crock pot. I poured the sauce on top and I came back seven hours later and I had five pounds of chicken. It's amazing. I've done the same thing. Whatever you want. Yeah, I've done the same thing with like green salsa. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah, salsa and, uh, chicken staple. Yeah, some, sometimes I'll make, um, sometimes I'll mix chicken breast with some chicken thigh, just so there's a little bit of, little bit of chub in there, so that everything's mm-hmm. not super dry. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean the the crock pot is amazing, and and actually, uh, with pork, I mean you throw throw some pork in in the crock pot, and shit, man, that stuff will take will taste unbelievable. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then to, to your point about, you know, most people don't have a problem eating enough fat and carbohydrates, you know, anytime I'm not, I don't have the mind and the, the brain that enjoys the analytics of tracking macros, but, but I do it a few times a year, kind of like maybe how you would approach like blood testing, like just where, what am I even eating? <laughs> I don't really know. And I'm always so sort of shocked and um, disturbed, to be honest, when I'm eating, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to do, I do a lot of baked eggs. So this is another thing for people for breakfast at work. Like I take a baking tray, spray a little olive oil on the bottom, just so things aren't crazy stuck and burnt. Sometimes I'll throw some like kind of crusty bread on the bottom. Sometimes I don't with a bunch of veggies bacon, turkey bacon, sausage, eggs, a little bit of cheese, 35 minutes at 375 in the oven. And I've got like a frittata every morning for breakfast that I can put in Tupperware and heat up when I get to the clinic. But so like, I'll make that for breakfast. I'll take some, you know, mixed nuts, some beef jerky, a protein bar. My lunch is usually sort of meat and rice with whatever veggies and the flavor of sauce I want that day cottage cheese, a big salad with a bunch of chicken. And I'm still so far over (laughs) my fat and carbs. It's like, holy crap. 
Like I didn't eat a bagel for breakfast. I didn't have, you know, a slice of cake and a, or a cookie and ice cream for dessert. I didn't even have dessert. Like what the heck happened? I'm having beef jerky and chicken and I'm at 60% fat. Like what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's honestly, it's, it's hard to get a gram of protein, especially if you think it's going to be protein shakes and protein bars. Cause that 50, 50 with carbohydrates and then all the other things you eat, you're, you're not going to get there. Well, and nowadays there's actually some like decent options in terms of, uh, like when you go to a gas station, like, you know, I used to be empathetic towards people when they would say, man, you know, we just have a lot of modern conveniences and, and we've got too many, too many delicious foods. I used to agree with people. And now I, I can't agree any longer because there's also too many healthy options out there. And you, so you mm. got to keep your eyes open for that. Yes. I recognize the uh, big food companies are, are smashing us with advertising and things like that, but things are changing. My friend, look at uh Coke, you know, the, the best tasting Coke, they're advertising it themselves. That way is their zero sugar Coke. And that's, that's pretty impressive that we're starting to head down that path. Uh, Mark Sisson, uh, with uh, primal kitchen, he sold that to, um, one of the giant food companies, I think to craft. And then my buddy, Ron Penna, who is, uh, who, who created the quest nutrition bar, he sold his company to another food giant that also owns the company, uh, Atkins. And so the food giants, the big, big food companies, they're smartening up and they're paying attention and they're like, Hey, if we're going to make these sugary things, uh, we're going to be, we're going to be screwed 10, 15, 20 years from now. I actually think that drinking soda will kind of get to a point where it's a little bit like smoking cigarettes. Like, wow, there's, these people are still doing that mm. because there's going to continue to be healthier and healthier options. And we got like stevia and monk fruit and we have like more natural means. I mean, five, 10 years from now, it's going to be totally and completely changed all the way to the point where they're not using like weird sugar alcohols that make you gassy and screw up your toilet bowl and everything because you got the shits there there everything's going to be changing and there's going to be so many functional foods uh at the grocery store obviously we still need our steaks and we still need our eggs and we still need and I'm a huge fan of those things, but look, we, we also, we've already tried all these amazing treats. And so now we need replacements for, uh, Oreo cookies. We need replacements, which they make Catalina crunch. I don't know if you ever had those, those things are badass. They're really, really good. Check them out. You can get them on Amazon. Um, we need replacements for pop tarts. Legendary foods makes like a pop tart type of thing, a tasty pastry, fucking phenomenal we need replacements for peanut butter cups and all these other delicious things that we uh we enjoy so i think that's going to continue to come our way and that should be able to help quite a bit because now at least we have a we have we have a different option and i know that it sometimes they won't taste the same or as good but shit man like this is a great start and i hope the trend continues continues yeah, I hope so too. And I love the perspective shift of, you know, oh, I just can't help myself because there's so much convenient junk everywhere. And it's like, well, there's also like, you've got a phone in your hand, <laughs> order three months worth of protein rich, generally good for you snacks, get the pastries that you just mentioned, get the cookie replacement, you know, stock up your freezer full of halo top instead of 
um, Baskin and Robbins or whatever it is and like make it even more convenient. You know, what's more convenient than a gas station, your pantry, right? Right. Your fucking backpack, your car, whatever you can, you know, you can use convenience as an excuse or, or as an advantage at this point, you know, convenience is whatever you want to make of it. And I think one of the other things that I don't want to forget to touch on is, so I get this a lot from an exercise standpoint. I'm sure you do as well. You know, the, the question of like, what's the best workout? And I'm just, Oh my God, people are, you're really, that's the question. <laughs> what's the best diet? Like you're asking the wrong question. I don't know. First of all, I don't know enough about you mm-hmm. asking the question to be able to answer that. And like you said, you know, some things are, have been sustainable for you that other, other people may think are unsustainable for them. And you may look at that other person and think your entire lifestyle looks unsustainable to me. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't sustain, you know, the amount of sedentary time that you have or whatever, or maybe it's something that's really healthy. Like I can't imagine running an ultra marathon that is unsustainable right. to commit 25 hours a week to running in the mountains that absolutely no, no, thank you. I'll pass. Um, but it's that question. It's the, I think there's something to be said. It's sort of sad. And I try not to be judgmental, but that question of like, well, what's the best diet it, it, to me, it's almost, it's hard to believe that that's the question that so many people are, are still asking that they haven't learned enough to ask a better question. I don't know what we do about that. Yeah. You know, in terms of like, you know, most people are, there's, there's a huge majority of people that are looking to lose some weight. There's a huge amount of people that are just looking and there's some people that are like looking to get like, not just lose weight, but get lean, you know, and, and to, you know, have abs or something like that. When it comes to those things, the best diet is, is learning about as many diets as you can. So you can kind of sift through and figure out what's going to feel best and work best for you. There's a lot of people that get upset about cookie cutter programs. Um, and they, but what we see from a cookie cutter program, like in the case of pe- folks going into like the military, let's take, and let's say that there's uh let's say that there's 10 people that have signed up for the military and they're all 250 plus pounds. Uh, what do they look like if they make it through boot camp uh, six months later? You know, they're probably all 210 pounds. So cookie cutter programs, they actually work. They can actually work. Now, are these guys left to their own devices? Are they going to follow that same plan uh, when they get out of the military? You know, are they going to have that same? Uh, you, we all remember the football players in high school, some of our buddies uh, who were in great shape. Um, and they got hurt or they weren't good enough to play in college and they gained 40, 50 pounds. Not even so much because there was a huge shift in their diet because they probably ate like shit because you're in high school anyway, but it's because they didn't have any more activity. The activity was cut down. So same thing with these people in the military. They might make different food choices and they might not exercise. So don't, uh, you know, I hear so many people say you need to find what works for you. You need to find what works for you. Not so much because we're so different as humans in terms of the way that our body responds to food, which we are different in the way that we respond to food, but it's not like, it's not insanely off the charts. It's not like one person, it can be off the charts in terms of 
body size, you know, in terms of somebody being six, eight and being 350 pounds and somebody being, uh, you know, four foot three or something like that. I mean, you're gonna have a massive discrepancy in like metabolic rate and there's going to be some differences. Right. But overall, I mean, people are, are more the same than they are different when it comes to how we digest food. And I know there's a lot of nuance in that. I know there's a lot of, you can argue a lot of things and say, these people from these areas digest carbohydrates better. And these people over here can't handle lactose or whatever. I, I, I get it. But my main point is, is that any diet will work for anybody. They, they literally will work as long as there is some sort of uh, adherence to trying to figure out some sort of calorie expenditure uh, equation. Now, here's, here's, where, here's where diets don't work for people. Here's where they fail is when someone can't adhere to it. Compliance is the science, as Stan Efferding often points out. If you can do something, well, that shows, especially if you can do something on day one, first day you go to do it and you actually do it, that, that's a really good sign. And then you're three days in and you actually feel better than normal shit, you're going down a great path. You just started. You feel better than normal. Uh, your workouts feel good. When you walk, it feels good. Your, you know, your sleep's starting to feel good. And now you're six, seven, eight days in. Uh, you're getting used to the foods and so forth. It's like, man, that sounds like you're, you're really on a great path. But where these diets have to fit in is more so they have to fit in with what we enjoy. What, what do you like? If you don't like meat, there's no reason to be on a carnivore diet. Like what, that, what a huge stretch that would be. Or if you don't really love vegetables, you, you know, you probably don't necessarily need to be on a uh, vegan style diet. So you want to try to find what are some things that I actually like? What's actually reasonable for me to do? Am I going to eat egg whites and broccoli three times a day? Because you could get in great shape off of that. You could get super shredded, uh, but you're also going to be miserable. And also like two weeks later, you're not going to be eating enough fat to the point where you're starting to cause harm to yourself. And it's going to be a real futile attempt. You're not going to be able to do cardio. You're not going to be able to lift. You're not going to be able to enjoy your partner. You're not going to be able to do like much of anything because you're just not going to have the energy that you need. So one of the key components to a diet is just a simple fact on whether you like some of the food that's in the diet. That's kind of like number one. Do you do you think you'll enjoy that? It's a great place to start. The second place to start is you have to get used to the food first before you try to make any sort of progress. Don't even don't even think about progress necessarily right off the bat. Think about the actual food requirements of the diet. Get those nutrients in and nourish yourself. It's a forgotten element of nutrition is to nourish yourself with the nutrients that the diet calls for. Let's just hypothetically say that you found out about the vertical diet from Stan Efforting. The vertical diet is a diet that has some decent variety to it, but the basics of it are there's meat and you're trying to go for leaner sources of meat. So again, we don't get those fat calories too high in the day. You got certain types of fish, chicken, steak, ground beef. Uh, particularly like bison or some other form of lean ground beef. And then from a carbohydrate standpoint, you got rice, potatoes, some fruits, some vegetables, and bam, you're done. So that's a pretty well-rounded diet, right? 
but you're also what you're trying to do with with the vertical diet and i would like to encourage more people to do this do this with any diet that they follow you're trying to treat your food a little bit more like you treat your supplements you know you go in your cabinet and you grab your vitamin c well instead of grabbing your vitamin c grab some fruit for the day grab an orange for the day um instead of grabbing your electrolyte uh mixture um you know eat some leafy greens for the day they're going to have potassium in them uh Eat, eat, even just meat, meat itself has potassium in it. Uh, fruit has just, uh, potassium in it. So, and, and salt your foods to get some of your sodium sources. You don't just, you know, dump tons of salt in there, but get some salt on there. Um, instead of taking fish oil, eat fish here and there, you know, just some simple things like that. But the biggest mistake I see most people making when they try to go on a diet is that they, they implement this new food plan which is a massive change sometimes to their life for some people. And then in addition to that, they just started training, which is a massive change for a lot of people, or they're trying to get back to being consistent with training, which is a massive change for a lot of people. And then they're also trying to lose weight. It's like, man, you're juggling a lot. Let's not really worry about the weight loss. And I know, I know it's a difficult thing to do, but I always recommend that people try to follow a diet for about two weeks and just literally get used to the food. And even if you feel like you're kind of overeating, uh, especially on some days when you might feel a little hungrier, I actually think like it's all going to auto-regulate. And if you start eating the amount of protein that I'm talking about, you eat one gram of protein per pound of body weight. My other suggestions are that you take your carbohydrates and perhaps go about one gram per pound of body weight as well. If you're trying to lose weight and you're a heavier person, maybe go half of your body weight. And then again, go about quarter the amount of, uh, of fat. And then so you end up with a diet that if you weighed 200 pounds, you'd have 200 grams of protein. You'd have 100 to 200 grams of carbohydrate. And you can kind of use the carbohydrate. It can be pretty simple. Like on a day where you do a little bit more, just eat a little bit more carbohydrate days where you do a little bit less you can just chop it back a little bit and then the fat calories from there uh if if you're um 200 pounds would be like probably like 50 70 you know somewhere in that range 50 is is fairly aggressive probably you know not a lot of reasons to be like anything under that especially for any sort of long period of time but you follow something like that, you're going to, you're going to make a ton of progress. You're going to make, uh, you're going to make a lot of great changes, but don't even start there. Just start with the actual food list first, get used to the foods, get used to cooking them, get used to reading food labels and get used to abstaining from all the other crap that you were eating before. We're taking a quick break to tell you about our partner on today's episode, and then we'll be right back to the conversation with Mark. Our partner on today's episode is Strong Coffee, where you, dear listener, get 15% off of every purchase with the code ESSENTIAL at checkout. Strong Coffee is a brand for people who aspire to reach their potential, people who love coffee, and love getting things done. I count myself as one of those people. On every episode of the Essential Strength Podcast, I close the conversation by asking my guest for three essential elements of their day-to-day -day life. Well, for me, 
one of my essentials is my morning coffee. It's a daily ritual. I love coffee so much that honestly on most days I'm grabbing another cup around lunchtime and not only for the boost in energy, but because I simply love coffee. That's where strong coffee comes in clutch for me with their instant coffee and latte products that I can quickly grab when I'm in the clinic or at home between podcasts or for a quick cup before I tackle the next item on my to-do list. Strong coffee brings that specialty coffee experience to consumers in a healthy, done-for-you pre-mixed powder that includes instant organic coffee, grass-fed collagen protein, and MCT oil to fuel the body and the mind for hours. This allows me to spend more time and energy getting things done. Plus, I mean, let's be honest, Strong Coffee and the Essential Strength Podcast, kind of just a partnership that had to happen. If coffee is one of your daily essentials, do yourself a favor, check out Strong Coffee and save 15% on every purchase with the code ESSENTIAL at checkout. All right, let's get back to the show. One other thing I'd add was just just stop even wasting your time thinking about these 21-day resets, 30-day fixes. One of the things, the reason I thought about that, as you just mentioned, people need to give themselves two to three weeks just to get used to this new diet before they even start trying to think about whether or not it's helping them train better, whether or not it's helping them lose weight. It's like, first, you just need to give your body an opportunity to sort of habituate. And, you know, if it's intermittent fasting, well, yeah, you're going to be a little hungrier <laughs> than you used to be in the morning if you've never skipped breakfast before. But, and I'm, this is me reflecting on my own personal experience. Like, I don't think I've had a day where I didn't eat breakfast, at least not intentionally until I was like 28 years old. Yeah. And it was like, what do you mean? I'm not going to eat till noon. And then w- literally within two weeks, you're like, man, why did I always have to eat breakfast? Like, this is easy. But if yeah, I'm giving myself yeah. 72 hours to make a judgment call, I'd be like, oh, fuck this diet. I'm starving. Like, I can't do this. Um, and, and unfortunately, that is probably the number one thing that people look for in a diet, the 21-day fix. The eat this way for 30 days and lose 26 pounds of belly fat. You're like, and that's just the, it's literally the opposite of what will work. It's the people are, yeah, people, you know, people tend to fail on the diet because they're hungry. You have to kind of keep in mind that hunger and life stresses and cravings, those things, they don't always get you the first day. They don't always get you the first time, but they will get you. They will find you and they will hunt your ass down and they will, they will happen at some point. So it's good to kind of like be in recognition of these things. It's also good to be in recognition of, wow, I am just out of nowhere, just want to totally annihilate some pizza. And you're like, we're what the hell's going on? Why do I want to annihilate pizza? Well, if you think back, you know, it's probably Thursday. If you think back to Monday, when, when you woke up early, you went on a walk after work, you got some great training in, it was legs day (laughs) and you, uh, (laughs) did your, uh, hack squats and you did your leg press and you did your leg curl and 
you were in the gym a little longer. You ran into a buddy. He wanted to do a couple extra sets and you really had a great energy output that day. Next day you felt pretty good. Got some, you know, maybe got a run in or something like that. And then the rest of the week was a little normal, but now it's Thursday and now it's time to pay up and your body's like, yo, like I I've seen what you, you guys been doing out there. This is not a good idea. Like we need more fucking calories. This is bullshit. I'm exhausted. We're going to work. We're dragging and we still got to get through Thursday. That that's the kind of stuff that happens. I think there's a, you know, delayed onset muscle soreness, right? But there's, I believe that stress is a delay too. I think that the thing that happened on Monday with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your significant other, I think that that stuff, because normal, under normal circumstances, a healthy mind is going to say, okay, I need to figure out a way to kind of take this new news in that my grandma died. And so like day one, you're like, you're actually not that bad. You're not nearly as bad as you'd think. Yeah. You cry. You're upset. It comes and goes. We like, ah, people die. She was 85. You know, it's like just kind of part of being, being alive. Like everyone that's alive is going to die someday. You know, you, you kind of rationalize it. Right. But I think it's like three days later, five days later, where some of that shit starts to really weigh on you. It's like someone just slipped five pounds in your backpack, five pounds in your backpack. And then let's not forget, you know, people are making poor choices all the time in terms of, uh, you know, having their phones in their bedroom, not getting the sleep on time, just kind of not doing some of the shit that you should be doing when you're supposed to do it. And so then you fall a little behind. Those things are adding more stress on top of the real life stresses that you have other than just being like late and other than just being behind. And it just gets, the, it compounds on itself. So when it comes to your food, you have to really take your food like really personal and you have to like safeguard yourself to the point where you're like, you got to like uh, incubate and insulate yourself and <clears throat> like fat proof your home. You know, like when, when uh, you have a baby, uh, they tell you to child proof your home and you cover the outlets and things like that. Well, you got to realize that food at this point for you in particular, if you're, if you're really working on losing weight, it's a dangerous thing for you. The pizza no longer serves you as much as you love it. You kind of got to tell yourself, look, man, especially if you're really, uh, if you're obese, you got to tell yourself that no longer serves me. That hurts me. And it hurts everybody around me, almost like someone that's addicted to a drug. And you got to say, I, I'm not, I'm not, I, you know, I don't know how long I'm not going to mess with it for. And I'm not going to put a date and a time on like when I'm going to enjoy pizza again. But I know for now, that's not what I'm doing. And I need to tell myself that every day and I need to stay on this path. And so what you do is you stuff yourself with the foods that your body actually needs and wants. And maybe you make some, maybe you look up some recipes. Maybe you get uh, Greg Doucette's cookbook and you make anabolic French toast and you make ice cream uh, out of your protein shakes. That's the size of your head. You know, he does all, there's a bunch of guys online that do all kinds of things where they are eating these massive amounts of popcorn, but there's only a hundred calories in it or they're, um, you know, eating these huge salads, which they use these kind of light dressings on. And it's like, it's like, holy shit, man, a salad that is as wide as your shoulders, like that should slow you down a little bit, you know? 
And then also when you're getting the nutrients and and you're getting everything in that you need, the, all your decisions of life, all your stresses of life are going to be easier to handle. The anxiety, the depression, all the different things that you had, I'm not saying they're going to disappear, but they're going to be mitigated a lot. They're going to be neutralized a lot. Then what's going to happen is two, three weeks down the road, someone's going to say, Hey man, like, what are you doing? You look great. Or are you going to go to a party or something like that? And someone's like, I haven't seen you in like three months. What the hell's going on? You lose 15 pounds or something. What are you doing? Like, I want to be on your plan. Wait, next thing you know, you're given like a seminar about diet and nutrition and you just started something, you know, six months ago or three months ago or whatever it is. So it's, I, I recognize, I do recognize how difficult it can be, but there's a lot of different diets to try. And there's a lot of, now there's like all these meal prep companies. I mean, look, there's so many great opportunities to try to just lock yourself in, safeguard yourself, fat-proof your home to the point where you're like, I ain't going down like this. I'm not going out like this. Take a lot of pride in it. And yes, you're going to screw up. I mean, I help a lot of people. Um, uh, maybe people don't even really know this. I, I don't do any like coaching. I don't have any services that people pay for or anything like that. But I have probably 40, 50 people that I help just for free, people that hit me up. And I know what it's like to manage folks that are obese and that are heavy and that are struggling. And so what I always tell them is you are, you're going to mess up. Like you're going to be doing well. You're going to lose 20 pounds and you're going to gain 10 pounds back and you're going to lose 20 pounds. But if we can just keep the trend overall going downward, then we are not losing, you know? So we need to kind of just look at it like, how do we figure out a way to not lose and not get overwhelmed to the point where the old habits come back in and they start to just wreak havoc on our life? Yeah, I think a lot of what you said, is, it goes back to that, that leveraging of convenience, making the things you know are not good for you as inconvenient as possible, right? If, if it's, my wife is a nutrition coach, she went through the precision nutrition um, program. And variety. they talk about the, the green light foods, yellow light foods, and red light foods. Green light is you can have as much of this as you want, and it's good for you. Yellow light is this isn't necessarily a healthy food, but you have good self-control with this food. So you can have that in the house, maybe put it on a slightly higher shelf, right? Maybe not right in front of your face all day, but it's okay. And then the red light foods are the ones that are not going to help you achieve whatever goals you've stated that you're, you've set out to do and you don't have self-control. And I think the pizza one, I mean, pizza is basically scientifically proven to be the most addicting food. It has all the right elements from the ratio of like carbohydrates and fats to the flavor, to the sodium. It's, it's not, it's not by accident that we can't have one slice of pizza kind of like, you know, once you pop, you can't stop with a Pringle, same thing that's scientifically created <laughs> to be really hard to stop eating. And so it's like, okay, I'm not going to keep, you know, frozen tombstone pizzas in my freezer anymore. I will have pizza. If I get invited out to like a group birthday party, it's like, no, I, yeah, yes. I'm going to have pizza at my nephew's third birthday. 
but that's only once a year and I only have two nephews. <laughs> so it's, it's inconvenient for me to have that food that I know I don't have good self-control with. And it's the same thing you were saying earlier. You know, we can either use convenience as a, as an excuse or leverage it, make it an advantage. You can try to figure out ways of like what you're mentioning is like the, um, it's in atomic habits by James clear. I really recommend anyone that's, uh, just trying to develop better habits. Like just, read and listen to some of the stuff from James Clear, but, and he's not the only one who's said this before, but you want to make the things that you want to do. You want to have those things be more convenient and anything that you are working on kind of nixing, you want to make those things way more inconvenient in whatever way you can. I mean, there's some people who would take, you know, cookies and put them like in their basement and put them up on like a shelf and some other people would say don't even ever buy them you know and just so different people have different ways of uh of dealing with these things but what i've noticed is that you can get a case of the fuck it's like in either direction and what feels amazing is you know we we just had uh anna limpke on our podcast uh yesterday and she wrote a book called Dopamine Nation. She talks a lot about dopamine in the brain. It's our reward system, hormone. And uh, interestingly enough, dopamine and or, or, yeah, pain and pleasure come from the same spot in the brain and, and so forth. Um, but we can develop, you know, this kind of attitude of like the fuck it's in either direction, good or bad. What's interesting is that you'll actually produce more dopamine and you'll be more prouderist of yourself uh, when you um, when you told yourself that you're looking to do something that's in your best interest and you actually landed it and you actually did it because you followed something that you kind of agreed to, even though it's just an agreement with yourself, um, you'll actually produce more dopamine from doing that than you would eating a Snickers bar. The tricky thing is, is that when you do eat a Snickers bar, it does, it works. It, it totally works. Eating those foods totally works. Uh, who knows the cascade of like hormones that is hitting. It's hitting all kinds of different things. It's obviously super pleasurable. It tastes amazing. We got sugar, we got fat. Uh, we have, um, yeah, freaking peanuts and chocolate together. I mean, what more do you yeah, need to it's know? Like, yeah, it's freaking just, uh, yeah, it's completely unbelievable. You're like, oh my God, this is so good. But, you know, pleasure and pain, they need to balance each other out. And so as soon as you're done with it, you're left with, the, you're left with the pain of, of not having more of it. Like you, you want to have more of it and there's not ever going to be a point where you're ever going to have enough of something that you don't need. It's not needed by the body. The body doesn't actually need it. It's, it's, uh. It's fake news, it's false information, and your body can't seem to consume enough of it. Just like in our feed and our, you know, on Instagram and TikTok and stuff, the negativity is the stuff we tend to look at and highlight and click on. Uh, it's just kind of it's it's part of it's part of the wiring of of the human body. But when you lean into resistance, you'll find that you will continually get rewarded more and more and more and that's when people start to get to a point where someone's like yeah i know that dude that dude's really weird man i always see him running or like and that guy squat like a thousand pounds or <laughs> you know people are like man that guy's obsessed with shit man what's his deal well people get that way because they lean into some of these resistances 
And over a period of time, they get rewarded for it. And they're like, I set out to do that thing. And then I did it. Makes them feel great about themselves. That's why some people even get into a position where someone's like, I don't like that guy, man. He's cocky. He's always talking about, well, the reason why he's talking about his success is because he can't stop because he's pumped. He's pumped up. He's excited about it because uh, it is hitting all these uh, reward senses in the body. And so the, the quick gratification, while it is there, while it is immediate, while it is nice, if you can hold off and, and sustain yourself as a strong, again, that word strength, being a strong person and not being scared to kind of sit in it and say, I don't care if this takes uh, six weeks, 52 weeks, 104 weeks, or if this takes 10 years, I am going to work on this. And you're working on it because it's your interest. That's what you have to keep in mind. You're not working on it because it's work and you're not working on it because you're trying to be better than you were yesterday. You're working on it because it's what you're interested in. And if you find yourself falling off, you need to work on gravitating towards something that you might be more interested in, maybe a slightly different style of diet. Maybe you stop running and instead you uh, do the Stairmaster or instead you do an elliptical. You find something different and play around with those things until you land on the thing that feels the best. When you land on the thing that feels the best, continue doing that until it doesn't feel like it works anymore. I have three more questions for you if you have time one i think will be a short answer one will probably be long and then one is the closing question the short one just because i would kick myself if i didn't get an answer on this one is can you just talk about what the white wine and hard-boiled eggs diet was like yeah wine and eggs diet was was awesome uh first of all i i got a (laughs) still uh, doing it six months in (laughs) yeah yeah i'm still still doing the wine now i uh (laughs) I got a hard boiled egg like cooker thingy from uh, Amazon and uh, that thing was amazing because hard boiled eggs are actually kind of gross usually because the, the egg is cooked way too much. But when the egg is nice and bright and orange, it's freaking awesome. And so um, I made a bunch of hard boiled eggs every day. Um, I was supposed to only eat like I was supposed to eat a lot smaller meals, but the meals were like so small on there that it was like, you know, too ridiculous for me. So I think you ate three times a day. The hard part was trying to figure out (laughs) drinking and uh, in accordance to travel to the gym and stuff like that. So I had to line that stuff up correctly. So I didn't end up even drinking a full bottle each day because I'm like, I'm not drinking and driving. I mean, that'd be just foolish. So even though I have Tesla, that that might have that might have helped out the equation, but yeah, basically it's just what it said, just what it means. It's uh, wine and hard boiled eggs. It was written by an article written by Vogue magazine. My wife and I saw the article and we're like, "Hey, we should try this," and so we did. Um, this was and, a vintage. This was a vintage Vogue magazine, correct? Yep. Yeah, Not the way like that fall twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, from like the 70s or something. We saw a meme. Somebody posted a meme about it or something like that. And we were like, hey, this would be fun. We should just, you know, do this. And it's actually only a three-day diet, but her and I were like, let's do it for a week. And and I got to say, it actually worked really, really well. And I actually learned something really cool from it. So 
if you have the ability to give yourself something that is, uh, let's see, what would be the right word for it? Cause I, like I, I, I did, I don't know. I don't like love drinking, but I, I do like it. I do enjoy it. If you can give yourself something that you like, that's not so, it's just not so bland, you know, that's not like, cause you and I, we love to work. We love to lift, you know, it's like, those are all like self-improvement things, but something that allows you to kind of just, uh, let yourself go a bit. I guess you could even do in terms of food, it would be hard because you would probably tend to overeat. Um, if you were to give yourself like a big cookie at the end of the day or something like that, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how that would work, but I do know that the alcohol, <laughs> um, it seemed to work. It seemed to like make, it seemed to help me be happier. Uh, and it seemed to like, I didn't have cravings once I had a couple drinks with dinner. I just felt good enough to like, you know, wait an hour or two and just watch some TV and go to bed. And so mm. it did something to where it pushed off, uh, the urge to want to eat more. Cause normally for me after dinner, is where I want to really like eat a lot of food, which is kind of funny because I just ate, but I want something different. I want, you know, I had something salty and something savory and a steak or something like that. And, uh, that's where I start to get like cravings. That's where I get creative with like protein shakes and cottage cheese and yogurt and fruit and things like that. And so I usually kind of mitigate it that way. But when I drank and did the, uh, wine and eggs diet, uh, I didn't have to worry about it quite as much. So I actually lost some weight doing it. I, I got, I got pretty lean, but let's just, you know, not make any mistake about it. You know, it, it's the calorie equation is real and it, it's things always sort of come down to that. Um, there is like a thermic effect of alcohol and anybody that has drank a bunch and been in like 45 degree weather or 35 degree weather knows like, yeah, you are warmed up a little bit from the whiskey that you drank. So it does have a thermic effect, but you know, it, it, it was a little experiment that the wife and I did and, uh, it worked well for us. And I'm sure and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole just cause this could be an entire hour long podcast, but I think I'm sure there's a lot to be said about just sharing a dietary project with a spouse, you know, eating the same way, cooking together, kind of having a project that you're doing with that person. That's just inevitably going to make it more enjoyable. Oh, hundred percent. And there was like a lot of communication all day about like, Hey, did you eat yet? You know, what, what are we, you know, cause there's like, there was small recommendations for other food other than the hard boiled eggs, but, um, yeah, doing it, do, doing it with somebody else and, and having, you know, us take care of each other during that process, you know, like, Oh, I'll make the hard boiled eggs and I'll cook the steak or whatever, you know, kind of go back and forth on some of those roles certainly made everything way easier. For sure. So the, the question number two is, do you think that most people would benefit from taking an approach similar to yours and maybe choosing three or four different sort of structured diets, planning those out? you know, over the course of a year or so, and just learning from that experience, you know, it's six weeks on and then four weeks of whatever you want, then six weeks on, you go from vertical for six to eight weeks to kind of a two week break, almost like training cycles, you know, like a diet cycle and then a diet deload and learning what, when they feel the best, what they enjoy the most, um, what gives them the most energy. Cause that, that seems like to me would be a really good approach for a lot of people. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think it, it would be amazing and you would just learn so much about yourself and like, why not maybe once a year, uh, take a week or two off of dieting and maybe, maybe it's like, just because you take time away from like some of the calculation of it, even though you might not be writing anything down, that doesn't necessarily mean you just have an all out onslaught and you try to gain, you try to just be as unhealthy as possible. Uh, what it would mean, and this is actually what I do is I usually take about a week off every year. Um, it's almost always towards the end of the year somewhere and I have to like strategically put it in somewhere. And I actually, when it comes to it, I'm always like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then it gets there and I don't want to do it, but I'm like, just do it. (laughs) And all that it is, is like, I'll wake up and I'll just be like, you know what I feel like? I feel like just eating like a, um a breakfast sandwich. I'll just go get a breakfast sandwich. Or I feel like having a breakfast, like how great is a breakfast burrito or how nice is it just to roll into like a diner and just sort of just order as if you were 13 years old, you know, um, at the same time, not being completely irresponsible and not doing that the whole day. So that's kind of the one caveat that I try to make for myself is like, still get your fill of protein in. So you're still staying full. This is not an all out slot onslaught of uh trying to undo everything that you've worked on um and and the goal actually is to you know kind of you know nurses have this uh motto in the medical medical community just cause no harm you know so eat up enjoy it but at the end of the week it would be nice if you didn't really gain much weight and for me it's like you know I, i try to just keep that weight shift under like two, three pounds. It's like, that's nothing, you know, it's just, it could be water weight if anything. So the point being is like, it is a week off, but it's not like this explosion of calories and I'm not going, uh, absolutely crazy in terms of people shifting diets. I think that your diet, it doesn't have to be this way, but I think your diet should ever be evolving and it should be moving and shifting without whatever goals you would like. Um, if for certain certain times a year you do mountain biking, then you should perhaps be on a different style of diet. Um, you know, different times a year, uh, you want to get outside more and run. Um, you know, there's too much talk about what you can do and what you can't do. You know, don't let anybody ever tell you what you can or can't do. Make your own decisions your own way. Uh, there's a lot of people that say, oh, you're like, some people see me run and they're like, you're too big to run. And it's like, I don't know who made that up. There was a guy here, um, this past weekend for an Ironman and he was like six, six and he weighed two forty five. he was here doing an Ironman competition. So, you know, there's, there's no limit on any of that stuff. It's just a matter of, uh, of kind of your mindset. But when it comes to your diet, I think it's really important to go through different phases. I think whatever diet it is that you switch to will be enhanced and it will be more effective by just the simple shifting of diets. And there's a lot of proof to that when they do research and they do studies. Sometimes they're like, well, shit, we don't really know what, you know, what the person was doing beforehand. And there's something called the honeymoon effect, which takes about six weeks to get through. (laughs) And so sometimes for example, if I was to go on a vegan diet for, for even just a few weeks, I might feel some improvement. I might tell you, I might be like, Hey man, this is wild. I wasn't expecting this, but I feel amazing. And that's why we hear so many people who've tried so many different diets say they feel amazing. 
it's because, well, of course you feel amazing. You've only been doing it for a few weeks. It's the shift and you're getting some of the reward of the diet, but maybe none of the negative of the diet has quite uh, uh, shifted in yet. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of, of switching things up and, you know, doing a lower carb diet for a while, a higher carb diet for a while and a higher fat diet for a while and really uh, mixing things up just kind of in accordance to how I feel what I'm doing training wise and even just like what kind of foods I want to eat. I like the comparison of um, diets and dating, right? It's like if you're always in that honeymoon phase and as soon as that starts to fade, you break up with yep. that person. You know, you break up with that diet, seeking the immediate gratification of, of a new diet, the, the intrigue, the excitement and all that stuff. But you never get to the point that you were talking about where you come to the end of the year and you're like, I'm going to take this break. But it, there's almost resistance to that. And you probably can't wait <laughs> to get back to the structure. You know, that's that like you're now married to just educated nutritional choices and you've got that sustainable commitment like it's a different level of love <laughs> than those first six weeks of just dating, um, dating the carnivore diet. And you're like, Oh, this is awesome. I get to eat all this bacon. And then, you know, but you break up with that, you know, break up with that bacon four weeks later. Cause you're, you know, you get, you get in a fight or whatever. You get um, bored of it. Yeah. You get bored of it. And I think, you know, that speaks to also what you were saying is it's kind of like the vacation mentality where you know, vacation is great, but then usually it's like, boy, I kind of miss my routine. If your life is somewhat aligned with what you enjoy. Um, and yeah, you, you don't want to just binge to be sick for two weeks, you know, that you've kind of lost the point, but yeah, it, it's a good thing that you're, that you're at a point where you take the break, you go to the diner, you order the pancakes with the extra chocolate chips and whipped cream. Um, and you're like, this is fun. But, uh, I think in about a week or so, I'm going to be ready to be back on that intermittent fasting diet. Whereas most people would think like, you're crazy. <laughs> and a little trick I might even do is like, you know, on the, on the note of like eating something like pancakes is I might order a bunch of egg whites with it, you know, and I might, I might say like, Hey, I need, you know, eight or six egg whites or something like that. And it's not like a, that's not like a ton of food or anything, but it does give me the protein. I eat that first. It's going to be harder to get through the pancakes. When I finish the last pancake, I'm not thinking about another pancake and I'm not thinking about like going and stuffing my face with something else. I got full enough. I got satisfied enough. I got what I needed from that meal and I can kind of move on. Awesome. Okay. Closing question for you. We started with um, kind of reviewing your definition of strength, layering on a little bit to that. This is the essential strength podcast. So the closing question is, are there three things you can identify, three sort of essential elements in your day-to-day -day life, little habits, routines, um, activities, things you try not to skip. I think the main thing to not skip is just personal care, you know, really taking care of yourself. Are there three things that go into that for you? I mean, is it like some sort of physical activity? Is it reading? Is it some sort of a nutritional element or time with your wife? What are, what are maybe your three staples of self-care where, you know, you're, you're kind of, you've gotten that checked off. You know, number one is I I'm protective of, I try to be protective of my own time and that's kind of the time in the morning when I get up fairly early and I go, you know, hit up a walk or walk run. Um, I do sometimes, I do meet my dad oftentimes for a walk, but he'll walk with me for like 20 minutes and then I might walk for 
two hours total or so. So the rest of the time is just me hanging out with me. And I found that I really need that time. Um, it's really helpful, uh, A, to research like guests that are coming on the podcast uh, and B, just to kind of like listen to music and to sometimes tie up loose ends in terms of like emails and stuff. So I'll do all that stuff while I'm walking, but I also it's also really important for me to not just focus on these other things that I do. It's focus. It's it's important for me to focus on uh, sort of like who I am, who I'm trying to become, those kinds of things. And so, uh, yeah, I do a lot of a lot of walking. Another thing that another thing, a couple other things I've noticed is that. Um. It, it's helpful to me to, I, I like to like be ahead, you know, I like to be like, like out in front. I like to, uh, so it's just a small thing that I do is I just lay out my clothes for the next day. And I've been doing that for several years. Uh, so when I, usually when I get home from super training, I get home from work, uh, I, the first thing I do is sometimes I'll have a snack and then I'll take a shower, um, after the shower. I change, you know, get my clothes on. But when I get my clothes on, I set clothes out for the next day. So the next day is like, I don't know, it's got, got a little bit of a jump start to it. I already know what I'm going to wear. I already know where I'm going to go. I already kind of know, you know, some of the things I'm going to be doing. And so, uh, that's really helpful in terms of like, uh, you know, other forms of like, I would just call them like, you know, self-care, almost like hygiene things. Yeah. Like spending time with my family is huge. Um, we, uh, you know, we have dinner together almost every night and, uh, that's really important to me. Um, I, every night spend time with my wife. We just kind of watch TV for a while, about an hour before we go to bed. Uh, her and I have a great relationship. We do a lot of things together. She works here at Slingshot as well. Um, in terms of like, you know, like, I guess like tangible habits is, uh, I just, I'm just trying to be a little bit better than I was yesterday and just trying to have perspective and trying to be reasonable, you know, trying to understand that other people, you know, some other people that I might, uh, interact with, maybe they don't have the same life that I have. And maybe somebody that said something rude to me, um, Maybe they're saying that maybe because they're hurt or, you know, hurt people tend to hurt people. Uh, maybe they're saying that because they're jealous of something I'm doing for some reason or, you know, so I try to be, I try to be as level as I can uh, each and every day. And that's been like probably the, the, probably the biggest habit is just practicing how I, uh, how I interpret stuff. Uh, over the last several years, um, that's been the most important thing that's ever happened to me is to develop some reframing and reinterpretation of basically everything that I once knew, because now like if someone, or if I'm thinking about something and I'm like, oh, that might be stressful. Like I changed the, I changed even what stressful even means to me, you know, stressful is like. I just view it as resistance and, and I, I view resistance as being awesome because resistance is what makes you big and strong. And, uh, it's been a huge part of my life since I was 12. And so, uh, I mean, even on my phone, it just says, uh, 
it says resistance of life and it just says lean into it. I just wrote it in big letters and it's just something that every time I go to open up my phone, it's just right there. Uh, I'm big, a big fan of it. Um, but I think sometimes we view these things as, as being a negative, you know, we view these stresses as being a negative and I'm really, I think it's really important that we work on our own English and our own language, not our own English, but our own language, uh, to ourselves. Um, I used to say I'm not an organized person. You know, I, I, I ditched that cause I'm like, why, why would I, why would I say that? <laughs> but it's like kind of saying like, you're not a morning person. Well, you might not be a morning person that, but that doesn't mean you can't wake up at eight 30. And that doesn't mean you can't go from waking up at eight 30 to waking up at 8 AM. Like why even bother to say these stupid things? If, if, you know, they don't really carry any weight. Oh, I can't do this without my morning coffee. It's like, come on, dude. Like, you can do, you, these are all choices. You could have went to bed a little earlier. You could have, you could have gotten your coffee earlier or whatever it is, uh, that someone's complaining about. It's almost always, uh, solvable, but yeah, perspective and just trying to be reasonable with stuff has been a really big change for me over the years. I'm glad you put as much thought and time into the answer to that last question as you did. I think that adds a lot of perspective to how you approach the diet stuff that we just spent over an hour talking about. Mm -hmm. And it kind of sounds like, you know, those three elements, protecting your personal time, doing something to work ahead, and then prioritizing family time. Those three things are probably what allow you to be level-headed and allow you to be reasonable and, you know, being reasonable when you're feeling disorganized or that you're not caring for yourself would get a lot harder. And I just want to add one thing to what you were just saying about, you know, when you would say, I'm, I'm not an organized person, or you hear all kinds of people, I could never do that. That's impossible. This is killing me. <laughs> and there's a stoic saying, and, and, uh, since I know you just talked to Mike McCastle, our, our favorite, uh, stoic enthusiast. And the, the, the quote is I'm looking at it because it's on my wall here. It says, if it is not right, don't do it. If it is not true, don't say it. And a lot of people tell themselves a lot of lies. <laughs> I could never do this. You absolutely could. <laughs> that would kill me. No, it would not. <laughs> Why would you say that? Uh, yeah, and it's that just, goes oh, that goes a long way to just not lie about yourself. Yeah, it's part of our like uh, social norms, and so it's understandable. You know, we just chit chat with somebody, and uh, you know, but I, I do think it's important that we work on it. You know, anybody listening to this, uh, if you're like, Hey, I'm kind of wondering what these guys are talking about. Think about next time somebody asks you how your day's going, you know, Hey man, how's everything going? <gasps> man, you believe the news, but like, Whoa, <laughs> the hell did I walk into here, man? Um, you know, that's somebody that is like wearing it for some reason. And they feel like they need to spew it out onto you, but I believe that we can make a choice to not be that way. I also do think, and I do understand that if you don't already have a healthy body, it might be hard to have a healthy brain. If you don't already have a healthy brain, it's going to be, it's going to be very difficult to interpret stuff the correct way. Um, a couple other things, I mean, I might as well mention it. Like it's been helpful to me to not talk in absolutes. You know, here and there, I would say this diet, you know, um, 
I would say, you know, I would kind of almost talk as if it's an absolute that this particular diet works. And it's a you just you actually just did that when you were saying with a healthy <laughs> brain, you caught yourself. Yeah, you yeah, almost, yeah. You almost said it would be impossible to interpret yeah, things. Yeah, so, but instead, you said right. it would be very difficult. Right. And I'm glad you caught that because that is, I'm continually working on that and I will never be cured of it. Like I, if there's another absolute, never be uh, cured. Yeah, I got that one too. <laughs> I, I could potentially be cured at some point, but it will most likely be fairly difficult to figure it out uh, just because of decades of talking in a certain lingo. And it's, it's, um, if I saw you at the gym and, and you were training legs, I'd say, you know, how's it going? You might be like, this is brutal, right? Like, it's just, it's just, we just, that's the way that we, that's the way that we talk, you know? Um, you could also just say that it's awesome. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm fucking having a great time and I'm, uh, excited about what I'm able to do in here today. This feels really good. But a lot of times we kind of want to come from that, uh, that other side. So just working on kind of cleaning up your language i think we don't recognize how poorly we we just we talk really awful to ourselves another thing that has been really helpful is to act on stuff before you even ever get a chance to truly think about it and i don't think this is great for you know i, I it's not it's something that like you know you're going to use it sparingly but as an example i do this with running I'll just play some music on my phone and I'll just hop out of my car and just start running and I'll just like run a song, you know, I, I'll, I'll run to whatever song that I want to play. The reason why I've been doing stuff like that is because, and I'll do this with working out too. I'll just go in the gym and I'll be like, okay, shoulders, you know, and, and do one exercise for shoulders. And next thing you know, I do two, three, four exercises for shoulders, have a complete workout, maybe even train my back or something like that. You just have to get steps in the, in the, you guys just have to get some steps going. And once you get those steps going, you know, motion is the lotion. And once you are, once you are going, you're going to produce more dopamine. You're going to feel better. And the second that that kicks in, you're going to tend to want to do more. And so that's been really helpful too, is the moment that the moment that true thinking happens is the moment that you have an idea and it has an opposing conflict that wants to go head to head with it and who's going to win, you know, to me, like for me, unfortunately, a lot of times the conflict would win and I can rationalize and be like, yeah, man, you did do a lot of work today. You did two podcasts and you lifted. There's no reason to run today or you might as well take tomorrow off. You might as well sleep in. Um, another quick cue is, is also like when you do feel those things happen, when you do feel like you're getting kind of sucked into, uh, talking yourself out of something that you really consider to be uh, in your best interest, a good idea for you it is to do the opposite. You know, the second that you start telling yourself, oh man, just got home. I should just sit down on the couch. That'd be great. I know my back's just going to relieve with pressure and you're just about to kind of kick your shoes off. As soon as you're about to do that, say, nope, going for a walk. <laughs> you know, I just, just, I'm doing a walk around the block, just freaking take a lap, you know, just, go and just next thing you know you're off and you're doing it and it doesn't have to be boring and it doesn't have to be monotonous you can play some music or listen to a podcast or whatever it is you want to do but yeah all these things have been things that have allowed me to even follow these diets in the first place they've been things that have uh afforded me to 
be able to execute well in business and in powerlifting and and even just like being a dad and being a husband. Awesome. Hey man, I, I really appreciate you taking as much time as you have today. I hope that for everyone listening, they've gained some perspective on the fact that, you know, you can eat different things for different reasons at different times of the year. You can take some time off, you know, you can, you can learn probably is the most important thing about any diet is what did you learn from that diet, you know, about how you respond to the food and, uh, yeah, maybe people are a little have a little bit of a a stronger approach to their diets by the end of this episode. Hello again, it's David back to wrap things up and give you your action plan for the week. Remember, if you are enjoying this podcast, be sure you're subscribed and that you're sharing these episodes with your friends and family who would appreciate what we're talking about on a week to week basis. Tag the show on Instagram at essential strength podcast and tag me at Dr. David Skolnick, DPT. I relish the opportunity to interact with my listeners, and the best place to do that is on Instagram. Also, don't forget to check out our partner on today's episode, Strong Coffee, where you can save 15% on every purchase of their performance-enhancing organic coffee products with the code ESSENTIAL. Just hit the link in today's show notes, or go straight to strongcoffeecompany.com. Your action plan for the week, and perhaps for the next few months, is to pick a dietary framework, commit to it, and learn from the experience. That can mean you try intermittent fasting, eating paleo, investing in the vertical diet. As you learned today, it's really not a matter of figuring out the one diet to rule them all, but rather about picking something and sticking to it and then moving on to something else and sticking to that. Rinse, repeat, and figure out what works best for you, the current version of you, with your current goals and lifestyle. And if that feels a bit too nebulous, well, maybe you can start by subscribing to Mark's protein mandate and prioritizing 0.8 to 1 grams of protein per pound of body weight every single day, as many days as you can, for as many weeks and months as you can. You'll end up with a daily food intake that looks pretty similar to some of these named diets just by subscribing to a high protein intake. That's it for this week, and be sure to tune in next time for my conversation with Dr. Kristen Phillips about all things pelvic floor, pelvic health, and why more kegels is not the answer to your problems. Until then, we wish you strength and good health.